I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good morning, Celtics fans. Happy Monday. It's been a non-enjoyable weekend from a basketball standpoint. There was a win, let's be fair, there was a win. It wasn't a convincing win, but look, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And the Celtics managed to beat what was put in front of them before going on and losing against another team that was put in front of them. We're going to look at the positives. We're also going to look at some not so positive, and we're probably just going to give you the Monday morning midway blues where you're not too sad that you can't do your day, but you're not too hyped up that you can't focus for the rest of your journey. I'm As usual, I'm joined by my boy, Mr. Greg Manakis. He's uh, apparently he's suffering right now. He went out over the weekend, maybe had a little too much fun, shall we say, a little too many alcoholic well, beverages. It was, <laughs> well, it's funny because Friday, you know, after we win the game against the Bucks, I go out and I celebrate. And then last night, I was supposed to go to a UT football game and we went to a tailgate. So we had a great time at this tailgate, like all this great barbecue, some gumbo drinks are flowing. My girlfriend looks at me. She's like, do you even want to go into the game? I was like, I I feel like we had as much fun as we could possibly have. I want to watch the Celtics anyway. Let's go back, man. I made a bad decision because (laughs) they just ruined my night, man. Like I can't believe they blew another game, another game, 19 point lead. The drinks that I had on Friday that felt so good, they didn't go down as well last night. You know, those the the bourbon on, on the rocks just like didn't quite taste as good with the with another loss after a nineteen point lead. Just blown away. So what you're telling me is that you were sitting in front of your TV yesterday being Kendrick Lamar. You're telling me not to kill your vibe. <laughs> is that exactly. what you're telling me? Yeah, exactly. It's a Kendrick yeah. Lamar moment. Like, I am I another am turnover. Sorry. Hold up. Drank. Another turnover. Schroeder. Turnover. Hold up. Drank. <laughs> you could see the energy from two planets away. Yeah. Or you couldn't see the energy from two centimeters right. away. I mean, look, man, there was some good there's been some good and some bad. Like uh I know we want to talk about Rob, so I want to get into that very, very yeah. shortly. Another guy I think has been playing well is Grant. I think Grant's been fairly decent. Someone said to me earlier today, well, on defense, I didn't really notice him. I'm like, that's a good thing. If you're noticing him, it's for two yeah. things. One, because he made a highlight stop, or more likely, because he's made a bunch of mistakes and he's standing out like a sore thumb. If you're not really seeing what Grant's doing on defense, that's because he's doing his job. Defense isn't like offense. So um, I think he's been solid, but obviously Rob has been even better. I, I can't believe how good this dude has been. And you know, coming into the year, obviously the narrative was that he wouldn't be able to stay healthy. Um, we wouldn't be able to play him over 25 Touch minutes a game. And now we're playing him, you know, he's, I think he's played 30 minutes or more in all but two games this season. Uh, Double-digit scoring in all of the games in which he's played over 30 minutes. He's had double-digit rebounds in all but three games. He's had three or more blocked shots four times this season. And as they've been talking about a lot on the broadcast, he's leading the league in alley-oop lob dunks. So, I mean, he's doing everything that you want out of the guy. And just in general, every single night, the Boston Celtics can say to themselves, we probably have the most athletic guy on the floor at all times when Robert Williams is on the floor. And that's something to be said because years past and dating back to like before the KG era, the Celtics never really had a guy that could get up and block shots and do things like that. We never really had a lob threat. And now we have the premier lob threat in Lob Williams 
in every single game, man, even against Evan Mobley, even against Jared Allen, he still looked like the more athletic big, which is really impressive considering those two guys. Yeah, I think for me, one of the biggest developments for him has been his ability to be a better screener. Like even from the start of the season to now, like at the beginning of the year and definitely towards like the end of last season uh, when he was getting minutes consistently before he got hurt again with that tough toe was um, his screens always looked flimsy, right? Like they were more like he kind of pushed into a guy rather than really stood strong. And in the last few games, I think that um, he's really been embracing that contact as a screen setter. He's averaging 9.8 points per game via a screen assist as well. So he's actually getting mm-hmm. good results from setting those screens. And then, like you said, his roll threat, his um, rim pressure, his uh, alley-oop gravity, it just gives the Celtics so much to work with. For a team that's struggling from deep, Williams feels like he's the only guy providing genuine gravity. Because whenever he rolls, then obviously the defense have to deal with him. I also like the way he's um he's kind of hovering around that weak side dunker now, and then he's like knows when to kind of step in front of the rim, knows when he needs to kind of take a step back to be able to receive a dump off. I think his entire offensive game's just taken a leap. Um, and then defensively for me, and I wrote about this today, so yesterday by the time everyone's listening to this, defensively it's the way he's impacting games without feeling the need to explode. He doesn't feel the need to explode and contest shots. He's relying on his length and knows that if I just hop, I'm not athletic. That's like most guys' normal jumps anyway. I don't need yeah. to be trying to t- touch the top of the backboard. Um, and I think that we're, that's one of the reasons why we're seeing his blocks go up. And it's one of the reasons we're not seeing him get beat off the dribble or head fakes anymore because he's actually understand understood now that, hey, when I explode, not only do I put a lot of wear and tear on my knees, and I exude a lot of energy, but guys get past me before I land because of how high I can jump. So um, I think he's really developed on both sides of the floor. And most importantly, and I want your opinion on this, I think he's developing like a leadership voice within that rotation and that locker room now, and especially some of the things he said in post-game press conferences the last day, uh, two, couple of games. Been really like encouraging, but he's also been really strong in what he said as well. Not, the, not derogatory, but very much like, hey, this is going wrong. And... We need to fix this. Yeah, and I, I don't really watch too many of the post-game interviews, um, but what I have heard from Rob over the over this year is just a much more confident voice than I expected to hear from him. It really seems like he is one of the guys on the team that within Udoka's offense and defense is thriving, and it's showing in the way he's carrying himself, the energy that he's playing with, and his confidence in his voice to speak up when he feels like things aren't going right for the team. Um, but I did want to touch on his energy as well. I'll, we can talk more about um, the, the comments that he made after the game. But last year when Tristan Thompson came to the team, I know that was one thing Scalabrini said is that Tristan Thompson is going to teach Robert Williams how to play hard. And then this year with Al Horford being back, another guy who's just constantly like a consummate professional on the court in terms of the amount of energy that he's bringing. And it seems like Rob, who kind of floated in between energetic moments last year is able to kind of consistently bring upper echelon energy throughout the game and throughout the 30 to 35 minutes that he's playing. And that is a that is something that not a lot of bigs have. They can't bring it for the full time that they're on the court. You know, guys like Montrez Harrell, they're just energizer bunnies. He, 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 I think he's the only guy this season that I think has outworked Rob in a game. And that was just one time. I thought the second time Rob got the better of him. So I think with him, the energy that he's bringing is is the most important thing that I'm seeing. And then the comments that he made after the game. I mean, if it's coming from Rob, 
then it's got to mean something, right? This young guy that hasn't really spoke up much throughout his career, and he's going to call people out and say, like, hey, we need to be better. And, you know, if he's if he's saying it, then hopefully that's that's kind of the direct line going throughout the locker room and everybody's on that page. It's just like, when are we actually going to see the consistent play from the entire roster? And I don't know when that is. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, and I completely agree. Like, one of the things that come to my mind when you were talking just about um, Tristan Thompson and now Horford was – Thompson taught Williams how to play hard. Horford is teaching Williams how to play smart. Now, mm. when you compare those two together, again, so you're not exuding energy for the full time that you're on the floor, you're, you're picking your moments when to explode, you're picking your moments when to burst, you're using your basketball IQ that you're developing to play defense and offense positionally, but then going hard when the time comes. I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. It's like Rob's took the best bits of what Tristan Thompson taught him, and now he's taking the best tri- the best bits of what he's seen from Al Horford and blending them into something that works for him. Because obviously he might, we're only 13 games in, so like a lot of people have said to me, um, you know, Horford, um, Williams has put the injury issues behind him. I'm like, we're 13 games in, dude. We don't yeah. know that yet. Like, it's still early. It seems like a long time, but it's not. So I think that understanding that and Rob being able to pick and choose his moments is super important. Uh, in terms of like, the way he's finishing around the rim, if you notice as well, like that seems to be the only time you really see him use that athleticism now, then and when he's doing a chase down block. And that's because he's dominating more on the offensive glass. I mean, um, five five yesterday. How many did he have against Milwaukee? I know he had eight in the game before. How many did he have against Milwaukee? I'm not too sure. I can't remember yeah, a box score sure from either. two games ago. Felt but, like um, a lot. Yeah, it, it, it felt like a lot. He, he's been one of the more consistent, more prominent members of this rotation for sure. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, though, right, we, we talked about how he's been the most athletic dude on the court for most of these games. And I'm going back and I'm kind of looking at the teams that we've played, and we haven't really played any truly elite bigs yet. I would say probably the best big man we've played so far is, let's I guess, Bam, right? Bam's yeah, I'd probably cast the Bam best. as an elite big. Yep, and then Julius Randle, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah like maybe. So we've only really played one elite big that we would definitely say is elite, right? And then we got the Cavs, then we have the Hawks, Lakers, right? I mean, and then we don't play the Sixers until December 1st, and Embiid, if he's back. So, like, I mean, when you look around the league, man, I know we talked about Rob being potentially a top 15 big in the league. Like, maybe he's even top 10. Like, there's not too many great bigs out there that I would say on a, that coming into the game, I'm going to feel like they got the better big on the court in terms of impact that they can make. Like maybe just pure offensive talent. There, there's guys that, that you could say for sure, but I'm, I'm feeling really good about our center position and our big men right now, especially with the way that Al Horford has been playing of late that, you know, you never want to hear lower back issues for a guy that's 35 years old, but if he can continue to play 20 to 25 minutes, really impactful ball and Rob Williams can stay around 30, Celtics are going to be good, and then it's, you just got to hope at some point that Jason Tatum becomes the guy that we need him to be because we're, we're still not seeing elite JT, and that's a real problem. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to JT for sure. One of the things I want to look at is who would you say are the biggest tests for Rob Williams? Because for me, I'm looking at like Rob is a rim runner. That's what Rob does. Mm-hmm. He protects the rim, gets up the floor, gives you that spacing. Well, the best rim runner in the league, in my opinion, not the best center, but the best rim runner is Clint Capella, which comes once you play Atlanta. So I think that yeah, seeing how 
So seeing how much work Capella gives Rob and how Rob deals with Capella's like athleticism and high motor, that will give us an inclination of how improved Rob is on defense and on offense, being able to break free on offense, being able to stop Capella on defense. I think that's huge. It's one thing saying, well, how does he match up against Embiid? But Embiid's more physical. Embiid doesn't run like rim run like Capella does. He'll play more half court. He'll use his physicality. And, you know, whether Rob can hang with Embiid or not at the moment, to me, isn't that important because you still got Rob developing. If you really look at it, the amount of time he's missed, he's still playing catch up on that development. So Clint Capella is kind of the guy that we always fought. Maybe Rob is a young Clint Capella. So seeing how yeah. he goes up against him, to me, is more important at this point of the season than what playing Embiid in a, in a few weeks would be. For sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty good measuring stick for him. And then the day, you know, Friday of this week. So it's um, the Hawks on Wednesday, the Lakers on Friday. So you got Clint Capella and then you got Anthony Davis, who is like Clint Capella with his rim running, but then he can do a whole bunch more. Yeah. So you hope you hope that Rob has a good showing this week because tomorrow we got the Cavs again and Mobley and Jared Allen were, were a real problem for us. Um, but I, I still think Rob was the best big on the floor. Mobley, I think, obviously had an amazing game. I still think Rob probably bested him in that matchup, although Mobley's awesome. Like, I thought Scotty Barnes, I've been watching a lot of Raptors. I thought Scotty Barnes was the best rookie I would see this year until I saw Mobley, and I was like, holy crap, this dude's good. Yeah, Mobley's, Mobley's real, real good. Like, he's probably going to – he's got this the ability to become the best big in the league quite Definitely. easily. Quite easily. He moves so well for his size. But that's for um, that's for the Cavs podcast to talk about, man. I'm just letting <laughs> you know. He is good. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I enjoyed watching him. I also enjoy watching Darius Garland, though. So, you know. Like, yeah, he's fun to watch, dude. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about how Rob handles AD. Again, AD is one of the top three bigs in the league. Like, he... If he handles him great, but if, if that's the bar that we're setting for him now, then uh, you might like that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's asking that's like asking Marcus Smart to be able to hold Steph Curry to five points. It's just for sure. You know, there's certain players that you just have to contain. Uh, I'm more intrigued to see how Rob does if he gets minutes against Dwight Howard. To be quite honest with you, like I feel like that's a bit of a measuring stick. Uh, Rob would have grown up watching Dwight dominate, so I, I can imagine that that would be an interesting game for him. Not that he's never played against him before. That's the only positive I've really got, you know, is Rob. I'm not gonna and, and Grant and Grant. I think Grant was good too. Romeo. Um, Romeo's been playing solid. I, I don't think he's um, I don't think he's being given much of an opportunity offensively, but he's definitely mm-hmm. earning a crust on defense. That three point jump shot looks real. Um, he had one finish. Was it over Mobley where he kind of finger-rolled over it? Over Jared Allen. Was it over Jared Allen? It was yeah. finger-rolled it at the rim. Um, again, he I still strong, feel... man. Yeah, he does. And his athleticism starting to shine through now. Um, I'd like to see him being given more off-ball opportunities where they're getting him to cut and then hit him in his stride. But that would involve people that move the ball. And unfortunately, the Celtics don't really have anyone that's willing to move the ball right now. And all the off-ball movement that we got teased with during off-season when, when Udoka was like, oh, you were so-and-so with assists. Yeah, it's not going to be like that under me. No, because it's worse, bro. It's worse. You were right. It's not like that under you. It is worse. Um, so that, obviously, you can tell I'm a bit upset about that. I'm upset about the lack of ball movement because you've got good slashes and decent finishers, but they're all being asked to create for themselves off the dribble or use a pick and roll, and we're back to where we were at the end of last season. 
And a big part of that is obviously Jalen Brown not being available. But even when Brown's being available, he, the, the, the off-ball movement still hasn't been great. They were still losing games without, with Jalen Brown. But now they're losing games with a guy that doesn't want to pass the ball in Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, I'll put a tweet out. I'll read the tweet for people that don't use Twitter, actually. Let me pull it up. Um, I'll put, this is going to be an unpopular take, but Schroeder is calling his own number too much, with my, which was my biggest concern about him coming into the season. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that was my concern. His assist numbers are false gold, primarily come when his only lane is taken away by the defence. By that, what I mean is he's not looking. I get it. If the defence closes in on you, pass the ball. That's smart basketball. But at least scan the floor to see if a pass is available before going into the teeth of the defence. Don't just keep driving. Uh, that's like hitting the net. It's like having a hammer and hitting a nail, and the nail's not going into the wood properly. So the wood, the wood's starting to crack. But you're not looking at it, and all of a sudden you've just got this split piece of wood with a nail halfway through. It's just pointless. Uh, so I'm not too pleased about Schroeder. How are you feeling, Greg, before I keep going down this dark workload? Well, I agree with you in that I think Schroeder's missed a lot of opportunities to like get other guys involved early in possessions with hit-ahead passes or skip passes across the court, specifically Tatum. I think that there have been a couple times that you can see Tatum's frustration like having a, an advantageous position in transition or just like on a skip. And Schroeder just it doesn't really seem willing to look to look ahead to pass the ball. I disagree in that Schroeder's bad for the team because I think he's the one guy that can get rim pressure on the team and he's constantly beating guys off the dribble. I think the turnovers are a problem for sure, but to me that's more of a Udoka thing. I think when Schroeder is kind of losing the reins a little bit, you got to take him out of the game because I think there were maybe three or four possessions in a row at the beginning of the fourth quarter last night where he just turned the ball over. Just like messed up, turn the ball over. Udoka, call a different play. Get the ball out of Schroeder's hands or, or sit, him on the, sit him on the bench. Because when he gets into those turnover happy modes, it's going to be a two-minute stretch where he just plays awful basketball. And then he may redeem himself later on. But I think that his rim pressure is super important to this team. I agree that he probably needs to, to look to pass a little bit more when he drives to the rim. But I love guys that go to the basket and are looking to score. Like if, if you can get by someone and you can get to the rim and you can score, that's what the Celtics need and that's what the Celtics have lacked over the last couple of years. Um, even Kemba, right? Kemba, when when he would beat guys off the dribble, he wasn't able, was not able to finish at the rim. It seemed like everything that the Celtics get are jump shots historically since we've had the Jays. And I need more guys that can get to the rim. So I actually like Schroeder for what he brings to the offense that nobody else can bring. But I agree, he is super, super frustrating. Will and I call him day trader Dennis just because of so many ups and downs. So, like, when like, I'm not saying he's bad for the team. I know you said you disagree there. Uh, I just want to say I don't think he's bad for the team. I think his style of play isn't what the Celtics need right now. You have a guy like that that you bring off the bench to basically be instant offense. When, you, when you're struggling, when you're stagnating, you bring a guy like that off the bench and he gives you a spark right but that spark has to then be utilized you don't just keep running that same pick and roll get get dennis down to the hoop let dennis do his work i get it, it it's pretty much guaranteed buckets at this point he's averaging non-garbage time he's averaging 67 percent around the room so obviously he's doing something right my my problem is that when you have a guy like that that's beating guys off the dribble exploding into the room and he's looking for that 97 percent of the time well, now you're negating what everybody else does well. They're not going to want to move. there Because they know that, hey, we need to keep the lane open for Dennis to drive. 
And my mm -hmm. biggest issue is the lack of passing that comes with it. So I get having the rim pressure, but a big part of having rim pressure is to cause a collapse, to then give you kick-out opportunities. You see Tatum doing that a bit more now. Tatum will beat a guy, like, you know, cutting off the wing with the ball in his hands. Hit, as soon as he hits the paint and the defense rotates over Tatum, swinging it to the weak side corner. Smart's yep. doing similar. Horford's doing similar. Because these guys all know that a big part of that rim pressure and that gravity you have as a scorer means there's somebody somewhere open. Schroeder's not looking for that. And that's where my issue is. And the re like, so look, at the moment, let's go for the last three games. Against Cleveland, he assisted, um, his assist percentage was 23.1%. So of all the passes he made, 23% turned into an assist. Now, that might sound good, but it was the bottom 38th percentile in, um, for games played yesterday. He was one of the worst guards at creating opportunities for other people. Against Milwaukee, it was 15%. He was in the bottom 20, who's 17th percentile for playmakers in that from the list of games that day. Uh, Toronto, 20%. He's not, and but then when Jalen against Miami, he 37.5% of his passes were an assist or a potential assist. And that was kind of like, that's fine. Like that's a good quality amount because you're creating opportunities for others along with taking your own. Um, I just think that for the usage rate he's got, even with Jalen Brown in the lineup, because obviously Schroeder comes off the bench at that point, you're talking between a 28 and a 33% usage rate. That's a huge amount of time with the ball in your hands to not be looking to create for others. As you say, he looks off Tatum a bunch. He looks off Rob Williams criminally large amounts of times. It really, really annoys me. It used to annoy me with Jeff Teague last year. It annoys me now. Um, so for me, it's that lack of passing, that, that lack of willingness to pass the ball that really um, aggrieves me, especially in games like this where the offense has gone stagnant. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of possessions that start with Dennis Schroeder dribbling the ball up the court end with Dennis Schroeder dribbling the ball, right, or shooting the ball. And even when he makes a pass, it seems like the pass is just, okay, I want another live dribble. So he's going to pass the ball and get it right back because he got the switch that he wanted. He wants to be able to attack Seti Ojeman off the dribble or he wants to be able to attack Jared Allen off the dribble. It's like... Dude, you will get the ball back if you pass it, get off the ball for a little bit, run some actions, and then maybe with seven seconds left in the shot clock, you're able to attack a rotating defense versus just trying to beat a guy, uh, you know, with the whole defense set watching you. Um, it, it To me, Schroeder's what he brings to the team right now um, outweighs the negatives because I don't think that there are many guys on the team that have any confidence within what Udoka has been doing, or maybe like, maybe, maybe that is because Dennis is holding the ball too much and there's not enough rhythm for everybody. But I think that when you have a guy that's a guaranteed bucket, like Schroeder is, if he's not turning the ball over, it makes sense that you want like, Hey, nobody else is feeling it tonight. Tatum is struggling again. Like let's get the ball to Dennis and hopefully he can carry us for this game. And then the next game, hopefully other guys are feeling it so that we don't have to just run a Dennis-centric offense. Because when Jalen comes back, and hopefully he's coming back on, um, as you guys are listening to this tonight, I think that hopefully Schroeder will be back to his bench role. 
hopefully he won't be playing as as many minutes as he's been playing with the ball in his hands. And I hope that the Celtics can get back to a more ball movement, motion, five out, whatever you want to call it, centric offense, because it is not fun just to watch Dennis Schroeder try to beat people off a dribble. Although it did get us one victory, it's not going to get you a series of victories in a row. And this is the biggest thing for me. I mean, in my opinion, you've hit the nail on the head. There's a bunch of guys that aren't in rhythm right now, and that's probably because they're not being given the ball enough to generate a rhythm. And I get it. Role players are there to stay in rhythm with low usage and low amounts of touches. Perfectly fine with that. Understand that. But for me, it's like you need to make them feel like you trust them. And we had this discussion towards the end of last year with Tatum and Brown not passing the ball. If you're looking off guys, once or twice, that's fine. Maybe you feel like you've got the better matchup compared to what they have. But consistently looking off a corner guy, um, when you can hit that like swing pass or your skip pass off the drive and you look off him to take a, a tough shot yourself, well, if that tells that other guy, I feel like I'm better. I've got a better chance of scoring on my tough matchup than you do on your wide open, wide mm -hmm. open shot or easy matchup. And that's going to knock rhythm completely. Um, I think that Udoka's not doing enough in terms of off-ball movement, like drawing up screens, like screening plays, running cross screens for guys. They run a bunch of hammer screens on the corners. That's fine. It's, it's working quite well. A lot of ATO hammer screens. Yeah, and that's fine. That's you know that's that Spurs influence, and they're they're con they're converting those at a very respectable clip. So credit to Udoka where credit's due. I'm going to have a lot of negative things to say about him, so you know the the positives will point out too. Um, but I think like you know, there's no cross screening actions. There's no uh, Chicago last season before um, when they had uh, Vucevic before they went and got Lonzo Ball, so they didn't really have a primary creator on ball. They used to get a lot of their bread and butter um, around the rim off cross screening actions. Just simple screens from one side of the key to the other, just to open up somebody to curl off and then the hoops right in front of you. Why can't you run those for a Romeo Langford? Why can't you run those for a Josh Richardson even? You know, and just get somebody open that's got the the shiftiness and the lateral quickness to be able to change directions. And then you've got the wing players where you want to run. If you want Tatum posting off, we've gone from them running, and I said this to you before we started recording. We've gone from the Celtics running wedge screens, which is a diagonal screen to get a player a post position, and they were running though, and the screen comes up from the like from sort of rooms behind you. You're going up towards the perimeter, and you they were running them to get Tatum solid post position opportunities, and now they're leaving Tatum to post up above the free throw line. He's basically working with his back to the basket from the three point line, and and then people are saying, well, you know, he's not really playing well. Well, you're not putting him in a position to play well. You're saying, here's the ball, you back to the basket, go and create for yourself or give up the ruck. That, to me, isn't how Tatum's ever been used. He's more of a face-up guy. If he is posting up on you, it's because he's going to size you up, face you up, and then hit a jumper or beat you off the dribble. So I think that while Dennis Schroeder isn't 100% the problem, I think he's a, um, a very big symptom of a, of a larger issue. Yeah, and with with Tatum, let's talk about Tatum for a little bit. I feel like we've hit Schroeder enough. Um Man, like, what is it besides that idea that we're not getting him good position? Because, like, to me, one thing that I'm seeing out of him, aside from the shooting numbers just being down significantly, is in ISO situations, he's not really just, like, beating dudes off the dribble. It seems like when he's, when he's dribbling, those dribbles, like, say he takes three to six dribbles of possession. I think he's doing that. 24% of his two-point shots are on three to six dribbles, right? All those are, are seemingly pull-ups or step-backs. 
he's not really shaking anybody with those dribbles and getting into the paint. It seems like most of the time he's getting into the paint is off of a rotating defense when he just gets the ball and goes. So like, is he being, is he becoming too predictable? Cause this is something that Will and I used to talk about a lot is like, can, when Tatum struggles, is it because he's falling in love with a certain rhythm and guys are like, oh, when you do your three dribbles through the legs, it's it's resulting in either your sidestep to the right or your sidestep to the left. I don't even have to worry about you trying to drive past me, so therefore I can contest your, your shot better because once you do this, I know you're about to shoot a jumper. And like to me, the thing I've always thought would make Jason Tatum the best version of himself is just like getting the ball and going. One dribble, pull up. Just do everything decisively. And it seems like he's in his own head again. And I don't know how to get him out of that. And I don't know what Udoka can do to, aside from encouraging more ball movement and encouraging that, you know, point, what is it? The point five second rule or whatever it is for Tatum to get back into a rhythm. Cause he's just not in rhythm, dude. And I, I don't think taking six rhythm dribbles before you shoot is how you get into a rhythm. You need to do something else. Yeah. I mean, man, everything for, for Tatum right now is cold. Um, he's just, he's, Finishing at the rim is cold. His finishing from mid-range is cold. His three-point shooting, cold. I think a lot of it is just being in his own head. I do I do genuinely believe that um, a factor in this, I don't know how big of a factor it is, that he's carrying, but he's carrying more muscle. I genuinely mm-hmm. believe that his angles are different now. You know, if you're wider, then the angles that you, you need to be successful change. And I think that that's a big, um, a big, not a big factor, but it's a big talking point that hasn't been hit enough. You know, driving through traffic, he he doesn't have the space that he's had previously because his shoulders are more broad. Yeah, you can barge through. I get that. You you can be more physical, but understanding that 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 lane is a bit sl- more slender for you now, and that spatial recognition that comes with that, I, I think that is something that takes time for you to understand from a subconscious level. It's not you know if you if you put weight on all of a sudden and your jeans don't fit doesn't mean you're not going to try and put them on again in a week or two when you've just woke up because on a subconscious level, it hasn't registered that, that those genes no longer fit. So I think that's a, (laughs) yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) I think that's a factor at the moment. that's not being discussed a lot. I also, and I think that that changes the way you release the ball because you've got more strength. So you don't need to use as much torque on your pull-ups as what you probably used to. There's so many factors that go into it just from a change in body composition. So I think working through that's probably some of it. Dealing with the increased physicality this year is probably another bit. Be playing in a completely different system. Being, I just don't think Udoka's putting him in positions to be successful. To my personal opinion, I, I think that asking him to catch the ball with his back to the basket towards the three-point line is a travesty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree with you. Get Tatum operating on the rip through, run some good DHOs for him. Like, um, but again, I also think that his shot selection has been poor. And I think that his ability to be, he's been too lackadaisical when trying to beat guys off the dribble. I feel like maybe there's a bit of overconfidence there at the beginning that's now yeah. turned into a lack of confidence because of the failures. Yeah, right. There, there's these guys that when, when they have this very fine line between being smooth and being nonchalant, and like I think Tatum, when he's good, is smooth. When he's bad, he's being way too nonchalant. And like even his his mechanics seemingly this year. It seems like he's he's not like his shot seems a little different. Like his balance is off, or like his 
his follow through is is more of a flick rather than like holding that follow through out there. It just doesn't look right. And Will and I were actually we watched a game together on um, on Friday. And we were talking about this. Like, what is it about Tatum's shot that's different? And I remember a couple years ago. Time has been crazy, as we all know. But I think it was a couple years ago. He came into the season. And it seemed like his base was a little bit wider on his jump shots, like very Clay Thompson-like in, in, in his base. And this year, it almost looks like his his stance is a lot more narrow, and therefore his balance might be off. And I'm wondering if that is a body composition thing as well, is that he, he doesn't, like, because he's carrying more weight, it's proportioned differently throughout his body, and he needs to, like, figure out his base on his shot. This is something that Paul Pierce used to do all the time, especially at the free throw line. He would mess around with his stance at the free throw line seemingly year to year because there were sometimes he was just like carrying a little bit extra weight and he would sometimes he would stand with his feet directly next to each other. Other times he would have one foot like two feet behind the other one. And right now it seems like Tatum, for whatever reason, isn't on balance when he's shooting his jump shots. And that's what I'm seeing right now. I don't know if he feels that way. I don't know if you feel that way when you watch him play. But the mechanics of his shot for something that is always so smooth, it seems too nonchalant right now. So I haven't paid, and I'm going to pay more attention now, but I haven't paid too much attention to his um, to his shooting base. I've paid a bit of attention to his mechanics. Um, but one thing that I will agree with you on, and I'd, I'd go a little bit further than what you've said and say that it seems like 80% of the time is that he's playing off balance. And I think that's a huge thing as well. Like he... When he's driving, he's getting off balance by by the contact. When he's pulling up, I always feel like he's leaning a bit too much one side or the other. He's not let, giving himself opportunities to set his feet. I do think he's just snatching a little bit. You know what I mean? Just like um, rushing through his motions a little bit too much to try and get that shot off. Uh, I also, one of my biggest issues is if you want him to shoot freeze, that's fine. But give him good opportunities to shoot threes. If Tatum feels like all he can do is ISO, and then you know the clock runs down and he's got to fire it away, well, Tatum's super comfortable doing that. But if you put him in a position where you you run a DHO and then you dive to the basket, and a defender has to take a step back because he's anticipating Tatum to run towards the seal, you know, just little tweaks to the offense like that. So if you give it to Rob Williams, Rob Williams runs the DHO, Rob Williams cuts hard to the hoop. The defender that's on Tatum will anticipate a drive because he'll think, oh, well, Williams is either going to get the lob or he's going to seal for Tatum around the hoop. Now you've gave Tatum that extra half a foot of space to get a shot off. But at the moment, I do think that a lot of it is down to um, body composition. I think he's um, lack of confidence and Udoka schemes. I think Udoka schemes at the moment... Um, Deserve questioning, and you said this to me, and I said I agreed. Like um, they've done wonders defensively. Udoka is really sort. The defense is fantastic. We cannot lie. Offensively, it is atrocious. Like I don't think there's a better word to use than I am just absolutely appalled at the way the offense is being run from a schematic point of view. Yeah, and let's talk about the defense a little bit first before before we hammer their offense. Because since November third, right, we we've let up seventy nine points, seventy eight points, one hundred and seven points. Um, 88 points. The overtime game against the Bucks, they got 113, but it wasn't it, it wasn't that pretty. And then 91 points last night to the Cavs. So our defense really, especially in terms of overall point totals, has been great of late. I love the intensity that they're playing with. I think Schroeder, as much as we were giving him crap um, for some of his offensive stuff, 
I think his ball pressure is is unbelievable. I think that he's actually really, really effective getting under people's skin, staying in their jersey throughout the game. I think they're t- like getting through screens. Sometimes he struggles with. He's a little lazy off ball sometimes. But in terms of just ball pressure and picking up 94 feet, I think Schroeder offers a lot. I love what Marcus Smart has done for the most part. I think he had five steals last night. Obviously, he had another terrible foul at the end of the game. Um, but Smart's been great on defense. Robert Williams has been great on defense. Tatum's been rebounding the heck out of the ball. And I think if you watch Tatum in ISO situations on D, nobody wants a, a piece of Jason Tatum. Um, like any any guard that sees Tatum, they don't drive at him at all. Mobley actually surprised me last night going through Tatum a couple times. But in general, I think everybody is guarding their position really well and also doing a great job guarding on a switch and, and executing the schemes that Udoka wants, especially scramming out the the littles um, for a big and just always trying to find the best matchup. One thing, I don't know what you would call this, Adam, um, t- technique-wise, but it seems like there are a lot of times in late-game situations where the other team is trying to get the big in a pick-and-roll and the Celtics kind of switch before the pick and roll happens so that the big is not running up to guard in a pick and roll situation. I think Marcus Mott's been really good at this, making sure Robert Williams stays low. It's almost like they're zoning up on the pick and roll. I don't know what you would call that, that that strategy, but they've done a great job with all these other things. And when, when you look at it on the offensive end, the only thing that I'm seeing them try to do right now is just find the best possible matchup. They're hunting mismatches, and that seems to be their only offense. Like, oh, Dennis Schroeder has someone that's probably not fleet of foot. Let's get the ball to Dennis. Oh, Marcus Smart has Darius Garland in the post. Let's try and create some sort of advantage off of that. Um, and to me, there just needs to be something more consistent, right? We had that discussion last week. Is it schematic or is it, I forget, principled? And I think yeah. right now, it's just like, let's just hunt a mismatch and hope something good happens. I mean, touching on the defense, since the 1st of November, they're ranking third in defensive rating. You know what I mean? The only two teams Feels are both like them. Shockingly, do you, know who, what, do you know what team's second since the 1st of November? Cleveland? No. Oklahoma. Interesting. Blue Dork. Yeah. Yeah, I find it quite interesting. Uh, obviously, Golden State are number one. They're just dominating at the moment. They're super fun to watch. Um, but the defense is there. I think what you were talking about as well, I think I just qualify it as a pre-switch. They're pre-switching pick and rolls, um, which is fine. Sometimes you'll call it a soft switch. But uh, for me, soft switches is when you switch for no reason. If you're pre-switching, I understand that a little bit more, especially if it's part of the scheme. Um, so I, I, their defense, I have no bad words to say about it. For me, the help defense has been one of the most improved aspects um, coming off the weak side specifically. The low help man's working well. Um, if they're running weak side eye, then the high help, the high eye, which is weak side eye is just two guys in the line. Low one helps us. The high one splits the two defenders. Um, he, they're doing really well. It's working great. It's just when things go towards the other side of the floor. Obviously, a missed a miss a shot can end up in a fast break opportunity in blink of an eye. You know what I mean? And it, the one thing the Celtics defense isn't good at at the moment is defending in transition, mm-hmm. and teams are trying to exploit that quite drastically. Um, I do think that offensively, well, look, the best form of transition defense is to make your shots. If you're not making your shots, make sure you're getting back. But in terms of offense, I'm just, I have no idea what Udoka's scheme is. If someone said to me, can you tell me what the Celtics offense is? Like, are they a ball movement team? Are they a team that likes to work from the post? Do they like to get, get looks in the mid range? What do they do? I'd just be like, dude, they, they ISO and run high pick and roll. That's literally all I've got for you. 
just so mm. hammer screens off ATOs. Like, um, I'm just, just so little that I've seen that has got me excited for what Udoka is trying to implement. Defense, you can see he's planted seeds and they're starting to blossom and the team looks like it's legit. Offensively, I'm just like, I really don't know what the identity or what they're trying to build towards is because it just, it, to me, it's just at the moment, it's what I call random basketball. They yeah. just take, it's just random basketball and that'll get you so far. But, you know, it'll get you around yeah. 0.500 for the year. But do and we you really think about, like, like the, the games in which our offenses look good, it's always like, oh, one of our guys that can get hot got hot. Like Jalen Brown early in the year when he would go on a heater and he would carry the offense for two quarters. Jason Tatum's had a couple games where he's been insane. Dennis Schroeder's had now a couple games where he completely carried the offense. But a consistent through line for all 13 games so far, like, what, what have we done? There, there hasn't been anything consistent. And it's, it's just strange to me that there's just like that little focus on the offensive end. And maybe it's because all they're preaching is defense and they're saying that offense is going to come, offense is going to come, we're going to hang our hats on being the best offensive team in the league. And you can win a lot of games that way. But at some point, you got to work on your execution down the stretch, man. Like, What are we yeah. doing? The execution down the stretch is pathetic. It's pathetic. It's like worse than most college basketball teams trying to run something down the stretch like there's just nothing happening on the offensive end I don't I don't get what like what the scheme was last night that last play of the game what what was the goal of that Jason Tatum just they, I actually thought that play before they ran some good action right they had Tatum coming off um coming off the screen and he got set uh Seti in a mismatch and then just bodied him and hit that little jump shot and it was that whole right side of the floor was wide open for Tatum great action and then the next time you just go Dennis Schroeder? Like, why wouldn't you go back to Tatum there? Or, like, I don't know, man. I mean, in my opinion, I don't care how much Tatum's struggling. At the end of a game, in a late-game situation, you need a bucket. I don't care if he's 0 for 30. Tatum is proven to be clutch. You know, not proven mm -hmm. in, like, a bit. Like, if it's playoffs and you go elsewhere, then that's fine. But in a regular season game, Jay, um, Jason's proved to be clutch enough to to rely on you don't go to Dennis Schroeder over Jason Tatum you what so I've got a Porsche and a, I've got a okay so I've got a Lamborghini and a Buick on the drive and I, I need to get somewhere in 15 minutes oh I'll take the Buick well, why I'm taking a Lamborghini every time and I yeah. think that's like um that was a mistake on um Udoka's part for me but I agree like you know I saw a few they ran a bit of pistol yesterday uh a little bit they ran they they ran a lot of stagger screens out of the corners to get the, the mm -hmm. guy in the corner lifting over. That they've done that consistently all year, right? That's fine. But what what are they doing once they once they've set the stagger screen? There's the, the the two screeners aren't really doing much. One's filling the corner, and the other one's just kind of where he is. Where why isn't no one relocating, cutting, rescreening? Um, but yeah, I don't, in my opinion, you should never Dennis Schroeder should never get the final shot over Jason Tatum. The only guy that should get the final shot over Jason Tatum is Jalen Brown. There, there, mm -hmm. there needs to be a hierarchy in these sort of situations, especially if you're trying to build Tatum's confidence. Could you imagine what a game-winning shot would have done for Tatum right. in terms of a confidence level? Back-to-back yeah, -back clutch buckets. He hits, he hits the game-winning shot. Celtics are over 500 for the first time all year, and Jason all of a Tatum's sudden, feeling good. <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> of know? a sudden, the, the slow starts a finger to pass. Mm -hmm. But you put the ball in Dennis Schroeder's hands. If I'm Tatum, I feel, if I feel some type of way about that, to be quite fair. Yeah, and the play that we ran, right? Like maybe you could make an argument, oh, no, we did try to get the ball to Tatum because that was Smart's first look, right? But it's Tatum 
in the in the short corner with Evan Mobley draped all over him. Like, why would Smart make that pass to him? I think it was a good decision by Smart not to pass to Tatum in that situation. I don't remember if the Celtics had a, a second timeout there, but like, hey, if we did, like, why not take the second timeout so we make sure we get the ball into Tatum's hands? But the, to me, it's like, okay, why why is that the play you're running for Tatum? to get him ball side corner with Evan Mobley and potentially a double team coming down from, from the inbounder. You know, it just, it didn't make sense. It was a terrible play. Um, hopefully they, they figure out some, some better action with JB back because we do supposedly, I think the word is JB's going to play uh, tonight. So if you want to talk about JB coming back, I would love to just discuss really quickly. If you think this, this is the end of the too big experiment. If, if, you think Udoka's fallen in love with Schroeder as the point guard, and then maybe we see either Al or Rob off the bench, or do you think Schroeder goes back to the sixth man? I think it depends what's going on with Hawford, how long Hawford's out. But if you're just talking about overall, um, I prefer the two big to stay than to have Schroeder on the starting lineup. I think that Schroeder's best role is as a sixth man. Uh, I think he holds a ton of value for the Celtics as a sixth man. I think if you put him in the starting five, then you're negating what that bench unit is capable of. I think you seriously lower the ceiling of that bench unit. Um, I also think that you, you're taking the ball out of Tatum and Brown's hands of far too much for that as well. Uh, Kemba required a similar type of usage rate as what Schroeder requires. Now, I get Schroeder's converting more, but Kemba passed more. Neither of them worked out very well. So mm. I'd continue to run it with Smart at the one um, and then just go but keep that double big lineup because at least that double big lineup to me is a huge part of what's made them so defensively sound. So um, risking that just to keep Dennis Schroeder happy. like And even if it weren't Dennis Schroeder, even if it was Peyton Pritchard or it was, I don't know, an, an, another um, point guard that wasn't a star or wouldn't become a star in a year or two, I'd have the same argument there too. You know what I mean? Unless they're six five, six six, and they're going to bring solid defense themselves, don't sacrifice the defensive principles, which is literally the only thing that's going well for you at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I just wanted to see if you, you thought that maybe there would be something different going on. Maybe, is there any chance in your opinion that Marcus Smart comes off the bench and Schroeder stays at the point? Or you yeah, think I think that's a, no, nah, I think that's a, I think it's 50-50. I think Udoka really likes what um, Schroeder brings to the floor. I think that maybe if Schroeder's got Brown and Tatum around him, you might see more of a passing mentality from him, mm -hmm. uh, which obviously then you're talking about a different version of um, Dennis Schroeder that's probably far more valuable to that starting lineup. But um, I don't know how Smart takes that. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I, would, I would love to see that lineup of Schroeder, the Jays, Horford, and, and Rob. Um, I just think that when you have Smart at the point with that lineup, there's just like not enough speed on the floor and Schroeder just adds that extra element of chaos in that in that um starting lineup and I know Udoka really likes having that consistent starting five throughout the year and he, the defense that 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 lineup brings is great but man that the, the the problem for this team is our offense and Marcus Smart is probably not the guy that's going to take the team to the promised land as the point guard um so I, I would love to see Udoka at least experiment with it. Like hopefully maybe there's a game in which Marcus comes down with a mysterious injury in which they can throw that five out there without him in there just so we don't get his feelings hurt and he can see from the bench like, ooh, actually that looks pretty good with me sitting down. You know, imagine me in the six-man six role coming off the bench with that starting five. Like hopefully we don't have to like hurt anybody's feelings. But if Udoka loves Schroeder to the point where he's giving him the ball over Jason Tatum, like – 
<laughs> at the end of the game, like why not start Schroeder over Marcus Smart if you're not worried about hurting feelings? Yeah, at which point I want Brad Stevens to trade Schroeder and Smart for DeJounte Murray, but that's a different <laughs> argument for a different day. Um, look, I'm not against Schroeder being in the starting five. I just think that Schroeder needs to be more willing at passing the ball if that's going to be the case. Because at the end of the day, if you're in the starting five and two of the guys surrounding you are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, then you are third in line to be getting your decision of when to make and take shots. You, and, and that's that's my biggest question. Would Schroeder be able to fall in line within that hierarchy? And would he play ball within that hierarchy? Because if the answer is no and he's going to call his number before Tatum and Brown, well, you're doing, you're doing more harm than good. You, it's detrimental to the, the, the sum of, you know what I mean? What is it? The, the sum of the parts is well, whatever it is. Yeah, you know? I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not a math guy. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But yeah, anyway, I think that wraps us up for today. Well, look, at the end of the day, it's still early in the season. These things can figure themselves out. I just have my, my belief in their offense is waning. And even if Tatum and Brown figure it out and the Celtics start going on a huge run, you know it's built. It's it's We're seeing now it's built on quicksand. So something needs to be done there to shore up that offensive unit. Definitely. And this is the time for the Celtics to figure it out, right? Because we got the Cavs, then we got the Hawks who've been struggling, the Lakers without LeBron, the Thunder, the Rockets. And that's five games in which we should potentially be favored to win. And if we can come out of these next five games above 500, I think we'll be in a good spot. So yeah, and we'll be having much happier. We'll be having much happier conversations. Yeah, man. Hey. We, we we can have some happy conversations. Doesn't matter. We can we can always look for the silver lining, man. Yeah, we just gotta be realistic at the same time. Anyway. Thank you guys and girls for listening. If you still made it through to here, then you were definitely a glutton for punishment today. As usual, please leave that five star written review. The nice things that you say make us smile, and we need reasons to smile right now because the Celtics aren't winning many games. If you're unable to leave a five star review, then Greg is going to tell you who you need to tell to leave us a nice review and to listen to the show. You can tell your barber. You can tell your Uber Eats driver. You can tell your girlfriend. You can tell your girlfriend's um, side piece if you are in a bad relationship. You can tell uh, your, 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 your bicycle buddies if you've got a bicycle crew, your, your ATX Sprint Squad, whoever it is that you're working with. Tell them about this Celtics blog podcast because we bring the goods each and every day. And with that, one of Greg's band's songs, which is called D-Lo, if I'm not mistaken, will be leading you out. And for anyone listening, make sure to download uh, Greg's new song, Tomorrow, which I thought he meant was released tomorrow, but the name is Tomorrow. We will catch you all again on Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion Y'all been testing my patience, never did it for a check I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative Than stressing my wages, ageless Every time I lay a verse down, one play at a time Keep it moving like a first down And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the majors, still he chased greatness Expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne Celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am It's something that I do